0: When I watch, and I'm sure some of you watch, disaster movies or movies that you know are going to be hard to watch, you know, kidnapping, those, uh, all those, those fun action movies that we pay money to go put ourselves through, um, and you put it in your little mental checklist of things never to do, right? Like, just don't do those things. There is a show that's actually called I Shouldn't Be Alive. Have you seen this show? Have you heard of this show? It's ridiculous. Um, like they do the normal, scary things like you survive a plane crash, uh you survive a car accident, you survive a a yacht flipping i mean i've never I don't own a yacht, but I guess for for this it's a it's a common story of people surviving boat accidents, but then they get into the absolutely most ridiculous i shouldn't be survive. i shouldn't be alive stories um, there's being kidnapped on vacation that's one of the stories so Check, don't go on vacation. Um, The first date a couple chooses to go on, they go on a hike and get caught in an electrical storm. Like, a real thing. This is a real thing. So, don't go hiking in electrical storms. Um, Surrounded by coyotes. Like, when? When? Who? Get... Don't go be surrounded by coyotes, um, trapped in a volcano. Like, some of these people, you're just like, I don't want to be your friend. Uh, you're doing things that no one should be doing, and you're telling stories that no one should be telling. Um, grizzly bear attacks, surviving, I shouldn't be alive. So if you need to add some more things not to go do, here are a few things, um, but if we're looking at another story that would be included in the I shouldn't be alive category, it would be Jonah. Jonah would have a fantastic story to tell. And it wouldn't make him look very good either. Like, a lot of those I shouldn't be alive stories are about people going into places they should not have gone, not looking very brave, and finding themselves experiencing consequences that came from doing something fairly stupid, Um, but that's neither here nor there. If you weren't here last week, we started with the story of Jonah, and we are approaching it from looking at Jonah's life. We talked about how Jonah isn't the main character in this story. A fish isn't the main character in this story. Nineveh is not the main character of this story. God is the main character of this story. And Jonah is the prophet of the Lord living in Israel at the time. And the Lord says to Jonah, I want you to go and I want you to tell the Ninevites that I've seen their wickedness, it's reached me, and my judgment is coming. And Jonah does what every righteous, listening prophet of God does, and he gets up and runs the other direction. He does, and I, and I want to show you, just because it's it's humorous, so it's laughable at how far he wants to go. Uh, if you see this, uh, where he would have left, it would have been about a 500-mile journey to Nineveh. Jonah actually goes down to Joppa, buys a boat ticket, like, thinks about it, spends the money, gets on a boat to head 2,500 miles away from where the Lord asked him to go. Now, we know because of the details that are recorded that Jonah wasn't trying to get away from Nineveh. Jonah was actually trying to get away from the presence of God. Like he believed, okay, so God lives in a box near our people. So he's got to have some range where his, his Wi-Fi does not reach me. His signal cannot get to me. So if I go 2,500 miles away, basically to the other side of the world, he can't talk to me. I won't hear him, I won't feel guilty for running, I won't have to do what he says, and I can just live my life and not have to go to Nineveh. And we know that in God's plan and design, he halts Jonah. He throws a storm out onto the sea, and it's one that freaks the sailors out. And these are sailors who live on the water who are scared to death because this storm is shaking the boat it's shaking it to pieces, and, and we know that Jonah, in his great, awesome service heart, is sleeping in the basement of this boat, in the bottom of this boat, during this moment of freaking out by the sailors, and the sailors find him and actually like, dude, what you, why don't you get up? We're about to die, so cry out to your God and, and all of these things, and maybe he'll save us and save you, and realize that the Lord sets these things up and they all draw lots remember that did he, he draw lots to the sea who's who's responsible for this storm let's draw lots and we'll find out and the lord points to jonah and they all start asking 20 questions with jonah they play a game they're like who are you where are you from what's your nationality what are you doing all these things and jonah answers two questions he says i'm a hebrew and i worship the lord who made the land and the sea and everything in it and then like good sailors they say then why would you run from him Why would you run from the one who made everything? This is ridiculous. It's a good question. And the the short of it is Jonah, which I don't think is being very noble at this point, says to them Toss me. It's the Lord of the Rings for you. Toss me into the water. Now, I think people are like, oh, he's so sacrificial, he's willing to lay his life down. No, I think he actually was going, God, I'd rather die than go to Nineveh. So throw me in the water. Kill two birds with one stone. There we go. I get out of doing what I want to do, and these guys survive. And so we see the story, and he, the sailors actually go, you know what? We're going to keep rowing. We're not going to let you die. with Oh, yeah, we are. We're going to throw you in because we can't row against this storm. They throw Jonah in the water. Storm stops. And we know the sailors respond to the grace of God. They're like this God who made the land and the sea, who can control the weather. This is the God we want to serve. And so our story picks up with Jonah floating in the water. Now, verse 17 in the Hebrew actually is verse 1 in chapter 2, but we have to start with verse 17. Now, the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. I want you to know that these words are some of the most hope filled, foundational scriptures that a Christ follower can hear. God arranges rescue. God arranges salvation. He arranges moments in which His rescue shines brighter than the darkness of sinking in the sea. The fish was not punishment. Fish wasn't punishment. Fish was uncomfortable, yes. Fish was awkward, yes. <laughs> Punishment? No. The Lord arranges and provides what is needed to rescue. As Joel was mentioning, this is not just a New Testament concept. In the Old Testament, we see it very clearly. God arranged rescue for Noah and his family. God said, here's how it's going to go down, and here's how it's going to happen, and here's how you are going to be saved. You can choose to do it, or you can choose to not, but here's the rescue I'm providing you. He does it again with Abraham and Isaac. Do you remember the story? Abraham and his wife can't have children. They finally do have Isaac. And then the Lord says, I want Isaac. I want you to sacrifice him to me. And Abraham, trusting the Lord, Isaac, smart teenager, says, "Uh, I see the wood and the fire, but I don't see any of, I don't see the sheep or the goat or how are we going to do this? And Abraham looks at Isaac and says, The Lord will provide. And as the story goes, Abraham goes to raise the knife over Isaac, who is now laying on the altar, and the Lord says, Stop! And over in the thicket was a ram caught. And they named the location, The Lord will provide. They didn't name the location, The Lord provided. Because you will see over and over and over and over and over and over and over over through history that it is the Lord who provides rescue. It is the Lord who arranges salvation. It is the Lord who alone offers salvation. We see it again with Joseph. When he was sold into slavery and had to go down to Egypt, what did the Lord do? He provided a way for his people to be saved during intense famine. It looked like a disaster with Joseph's life. But the Lord had arranged circumstances so that his people would be saved. Moses, the Passover, when the Lord says, I'm going to come through Egypt and I'm going to strike down the firstborn. And here's how your firstborn, Israel, will not die. You will take a perfect lamb, sacrifice it, You will eat this meal, and you will take this perfect lamb's blood, cover your doorposts, and when the death angel passes through Egypt, you will be spared. The Lord arranges salvation. In the New Testament, Paul made this very clear when he was speaking to those who lived in Athens, a very popular place to discuss theories and philosophies and religion. And Paul says in Acts 17, his purpose... Was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. The Lord arranges salvation. This fish may not have been Jonah's ideal rescue. Lord, why not send a submarine? Why not send a submarine with plush couches and full buffets 20,000 leagues under the sea style? Why not send a, a trio of mermaids to sing lovely songs into his ears and breathe life into him by giving him kisses? Why not do it that way? Why not a luxurious rescue? Why not something fancy for this man of God who's running from the Lord? Why a hot, humid, stinky, slimy, stomach lining. It's gross. (laughs) This rescue was arranged by the Lord. This is where Jonah spends his time not praying a prayer of God, please rescue me. But we know because of the story that this is where he says, thank you for rescuing me. And there is a very real difference between begging God for rescue and thanking God for rescue. So let's pick up in chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and the Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord... My God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifice to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. For my my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Let's pray. God, I ask that in these few moments that we have together that you will help us clearly see that rescue is from you alone. And whatever else we might be looking to to rescue us, we would see you arranging. We would pay attention to you arranging. Our eyes would be open to you arranging and pursuing us. May we be unsettled by it. And may we, as Jonah, from the belly of a fish, say thank you. Lord, we don't know how or why, but you chose to pursue us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Then Jonah prayed was, is just a phrase that has struck me this week. Because I have wondered, how did Jonah go into the water? Was he Panicking and, and, and doggy paddling as much as he could? Or did he go in all noble and sink? Did he just cross his arms and resign himself to die? I can't let the sailors see me freak out or anything. But then you come to that point in your lungs where air is running out. You come to that point where it's getting real uncomfortable, like this is real. Like... There's no coming back from what has just happened. The chest begins to hurt. And, like, for those of you that have done that swim across the pool thing where you're like, I'm going to hold my breath and I'm going to go three or four times. And then, like, you almost die, even though you could stand up, because you have got to get across that pool to prove that you are are Navy SEAL worthy. Uh, You've got to be the one who makes it across. That feeling where it starts to burn, where you're almost dead. And then you see something in the water. Like, I don't like to be in murky water. Because my brain plays tricks on me, like something's trying to kill me, or eat me, or swallow me whole. I don't know. But I don't know when Jonah, in his last breath, recognized what was about to happen to him. I don't even know if he did. But at a, not a moment too soon or a moment too late... is snatched out of the water. Now, if you have time, I want you to go home and YouTube um, world's worst pike attacks. You ever seen a pike, a fish? Like, those things are violent when they pull things out of the water. Like, just watching footage of fish go after things. It's not pretty. It's a snatch. Like, there is a, it's really fast, and it's chaotic, and my guess is, if it was a fish, maybe that's what it was like when Jonah was snatched from the jaws of death, and maybe that's why he said it that way. If you, if you, like, if you come from the whale camp, if a whale comes up, it's a tornado. Like, it's crazy. It's like there's this chaotic moment of rescue. And guys, I'm telling you, rescue is not comfy. It's not pretty. It's dangerous. It's shaking. It's chaotic. It's a swirl. It's a storm. It's all of these things. I, I, I think we've forgotten that rescue is not easy. Rescue actions and rescue plans are strategic and they are, they are intense and they are in the moment when somebody is being rescued, there's often confusion going on. There's pulling and there's running and there's follow me if you want to live kind of things that you just do all of these things in the midst of it. And it's not this, oh, oh I'm rescued. I think we've forgotten. And so we see the Lord arrange this. Jonah uses phrases in his prayer, the depths, the heart of the sea, waves closed over me. I sank down. I was imprisoned, engulfed, buried. All of these signifying the level at which sin can crush and destroy as we run from God they say that you can only tell how bright the stars are up against the black backdrop of night it is the same with the gospel it is the same with the work of Christ on the cross unless you understand the depth from which you have been rescued you will not see the cross as glorious it's no wonder we try and downplay sin in today's day and age. Because anything the enemy can do to cause us to not look on Jesus, he'll do. And he is doing. And our human hearts don't want to look at Jesus because we still think we are grander and above rescue or that we can rescue ourselves. Jonah points to salvation comes from the Lord alone. But yet there is a very strange confidence. ...that comes from Jonah in this prayer in verse 4. Yet, I will look once more toward your holy temple. If you have ever struggled with the strangeness of human beings in the Bible, you are not alone. (laughs) When you look at them, there are many who are not... ...imitation worthy, if you will. In the scriptures, you see people who are just strange buggers... The people of God are weird and we're fickle and we go back and forth and we do this and we do that. Yeah, we do. But the good thing about the scripture is that it's not about us. The scriptures are not about the people in the story. The scripture reveals God, who he is, what he's made, who we are in relationship to him, what's gone wrong, how he makes what's gone wrong right, and God's eventual plan for his whole people to be with him through Christ's work. Okay? Through that, though, we see who we are. Jonah is confusing. If you've read through the book of Jonah this week at all, you will see a conflicted individual who is wrestling, wrestling. David is a confusing person, killing giants, leading a nation, spying on a bathing woman. You know, like... Then he takes... This woman that he spies on has an affair with her. It's not an affair. Why do we use the word affair? It's adultery, okay? Affairs are parties. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's right. (laughs) Then he has her husband killed. David is a conflicted individual and it's, you can hear about the war that's going on in him. Psalm 73 is such a fascinating prayer. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold me by your right hand. Big difference between David holding on to God with his right hand and the Lord holding on to him with his right hand. Big difference. Paul expressed the same confusion over his own life, wanting to do right but always choosing wrong. So in Romans chapter 7, as he's writing to the Roman Christians, Oh, what a miserable person I am. This is Paul. You know, the Paul, not from the Beatles, but Paul, the Apostle. What a miserable person I am, who will free me from this life that, ad- that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God the answer is in Christ Jesus, our Lord." He did not say, "Thank God that I've got the strength to do this. Thank God that I've set myself apart on my own skills and my own abilities and what I know and what I can do and all the head knowledge that I've got. Thank no, it was I am a miserable wreck. And so God, with what I can say, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. In Jonah, this confusing individual makes a very interesting declaration in verse 8. Because it's kind of a confession and a statement. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. David and Paul and Jonah all expressed that in our sin, we actually run from mercy. See, here's what we do in the world. We actually think, okay, if I'm going to run from God and run to my sin, I'm going to find mercy from people who can relate to me. I'm going to find mercy from people who will just tell me what I want to hear. So if I'm running from God, I'm running to people and go, you know what? I really feel like I should do this. And you're gonna find people go, sure, cool, whatever. And then it's gonna affect them, and then they're gonna get mad, and then the harshness is gonna come out. And then you're gonna go, well, well, well I'm gonna run to the right education, and I might find mercy at education. And then you find you're never satisfied, and then it's broken, and education has shown you harshness. And then you're like, well, if I can just get busy making money, then I'll find the money that, that that's what I've really been longing for, and I'll find the mercy in money. And then you find when money runs out, money is harsh. And then you go, well, I'll just find a, I'm gonna run to the right relationship, I'm gonna run to the right husband, or the right wife, and they're gonna give me the mercy that I need, and then you're gonna realize that they can't save you. and you're finding harshness because they can't carry the weight of saving you. All the scriptures point to is when we want mercy, we run to God. It's in actually running from him that we find harshness from his creation. Because I know we don't like to think that way. We like to think, well, if I'm sinning, if I turn to God, then He's going to show me harshness. When the truth is, He is faithful and just to forgive us all our unrighteousness. You want mercy? You really want mercy? You run to Him, not from Him. Jonah's confession is simple. No idol, no other God can do what you can do. No man made thing could deliver me. I am in the belly of a fish. Who thinks like that? You know, it's funny because Doreen and I, when we were dating and engaged, there was this song that um, she would listen to while we were separated because I was a handful. And she was like, He's just not here. He doesn't live here. Maybe we shouldn't get married. And then Macy Gray, God bless that woman, she writes this song. I try to say goodbye and I choke. (laughs) Try to walk away and I stumble. (laughs) Though I try to fight it, it's clear. Y'all want to sing along. My world crumbles when you are not here. I mean, that's what Jonah affectionately is saying. Like, I tried to run. (laughs) Now I'm choking a fish. I am the actual substance that's choking the fish. But the point is, I tried to run. (laughs) But I couldn't. Because you halted me. You, Lord, alone provide salvation. And it's because of his rescue... Because that Jonah had said, I have made my bed and I'm going to sleep in it. And the Lord's like, no, I have other plans. You think you made your bed and you're going to sleep in it? Couldn't be more wrong, Jonah. You did make your bed. But the power and the beauty of the mercy and grace of God is that we make our bed and we don't have to sleep in it. It doesn't mean the consequences from our sin will not follow us in this life. But the guilt and the penalty of sin, we step out from underneath and we say, God, thank you for your rescue. In verse 9, is this confession: For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And one of the greatest, one of the greatest, oh, really, moments in history is verse 10. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. See, right? When we make confessions like, God, you're God alone, we think, all right, now. I have teleported myself to a good place. All right, we're there. It's happy. It's, 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 there should have been explosions and fireworks. But in one of the greatest really moves in all of Scripture, Jonah says... I, you look to you alone for salvation. And God says, really? Go throw him up on the shore. Let's see how he responds to that. Blah! God did not magically or gently set Jonah back on the shore with a three-course meal, fresh clothes, red carpet. He has him spit up onto the shore. This is real life. This is about as real as it gets. Jonah on the beach. Now, I, sometimes I hesitate to let people in on my brain. Um, but in my lame attempts, I tried to draw what I saw in my brain. And this is what I saw, and I mean, I shared it some with some of you. Um, but there is no cool way to be thrown up out of a fish's mouth. And what I mean by this is Jonah has an option here. When he gets thrown up by the fish... To stand up and go, I'm a prophet of the Lord. Which way to (laughs) Nineveh? And then I can see the little family sitting on the beach saying, Daddy, did that man just get thrown up out of a fish's mouth? (laughs) Yes, baby. Back away. (laughs) Slowly. Slowly. Or, Jonah can have been thrown up out of the mouth of a fish. Crawling. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what to say either. Uh, Which way to Nineveh? (laughs) In his pride or in his humility, I'm not sure how much of the story Jonah would tell. the messiest part of his story would he even bring to the forefront? Thankfully for us, someone did. (laughs) We have got to leave this part where he gets swallowed by a fish. (laughs) This is the Lord's grace and his mercy. And sometimes it's about owning the mess. Sometimes it's about saying, I am so broken, but the Lord arranged rescue, and I don't even get it. I still have fish puke all over me. The world isn't in need of a bunch of people who can pretend to be strong. The world needs to see people who admit they are covered fish throw up. Because it reminds them of God's rescue. If I'm Jonah, I'm keeping that robe or whatever I threw myself into the ocean with. Because it would be a reminder that God arranged rescue. I didn't even know what to ask for, but he brought it. It would have been a lot more comfortable if it was something else, but he didn't. He chose to use this fish. Um, as the band comes and we close this morning, a couple of years ago, my wife and my family and I, we were on a, a, a vacation trip and we were sitting, <clears throat> we were sitting at a red light and uh, it was a not busy time on this little highway road that we were on, that we were about to turn onto another highway. And it was earlier in the morning, and so it was us, and then there was another car. And that was about it on the roads. And so we were sitting ready to turn left, and I looked down for a split second. And I looked down for a split second, literally, and I looked back up to see a dump truck. This is the best I could do. <laughs> barreling down on us, like flying at us. I don't know if the driver fell asleep. I don't know if he... Um, what was happening, what was going on, but all I did was look up. I didn't have time to press on the gas. I did not have a, a time to say, Lord, please save us. I had no time. This was zero seconds, and the next thing I knew was this dump truck swerves right before it hits us, jumps the median, and then drives off. Like, no one in my car knew what happened except for me and the fact that they just saw a dump truck fly over a median. I had zero time to say a word. My family had zero time to come up with elaborate prayers of, God save me. We had zero reaction time. I could have done nothing in that instance. And my prayers turned to prayers of, thank you, God. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving my family. I don't know why some get hit and some don't, but you saved me and my family. And I mean, I was shaking as I'm driving. Like my hands are shaking. My wife is is processing because, like a good husband, you always tell your wife when your family about dies. (laughs) It shook. I mean, driving. All I could say was, thank you, God. And I'm here to tell you, as amazing as flying dump trucks are, Jesus has provided the greatest rescue. You know, when the Pharisees and the religious leaders were attacking Jesus and questioning him, they were saying, show us a miracle, show us something so we could, you can prove who you are. Jesus looks back to Jonah and he says these words in Matthew chapter 12. Only an evil, adulterous generation will demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. With Jesus, God will provide. He has. He has. Jonah's story points to Jesus. Jesus' story points back to Jonah. And it is through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that Jesus has provided rescue for people who don't know. They need it. That's part of the good news is to announce we need rescue and that we can't do it on our own. We are a people who are totally dependent on Christ. And if you're one of those people who I bet there's a number of you in this room who would be able to say, I can look back on my life and I can recognize where the Lord has provided rescue. I can look back on my life and I could tell stories of how God not just rescued me physically, but when I saw the weight and the measure of sin and death and hell and the penalty for everything that I've done before a holy God, I saw Jesus rescue. Rescue. But there might be another group of you in here, which I would be willing to bet there are. You're in the belly of the fish. Like you're really struggling. Like you look at the fish as punishment. You look as if the tightness of this being confined into the stomach of a fish, this darkness that that maybe it's punishment, but maybe this morning he's providing rescue by telling you, put the idol down. Put the self-salvation plans on the ground. Maybe there's relationships that need to end because they are drawing you farther and farther from the Father's heart. Maybe there's career ambitions and pride and arrogance that needs to be set down, but you can't see that as rescue right now. All you see that as is being in the dark of the belly of a fish. Could it be God's arranged plan so that you might cry out, Salvation comes from the Lord alone. From the Lord alone. For many, you have walked that road, and it may have been a painful rescue, but Christ was present in his suffering with you. The beauty of the announcement of the gospel is that in the dark place, Christ sits with you. You are not walking with a Savior unacquainted to our sufferings and our sorrows, but one who suffered with us while we are in the darkness. And he's leading. Not so that you'll go, hey, I'm over here. Jesus Jesus is saying, hey, look at me. I'm the light at the end of the tunnel. No, he's with us in the tunnel. And my prayer is that we will pray as Jonah prayed. Not God save me. but thank you. Thank you for saving me. Very different prayers. But I will say that some may need to start with, I got to put down the idols and I need the rescue of the Lord. That's what it means to look at Jesus, to believe him, all he says he is and has done is to say, I don't want to think about you like I think about you Jesus I need to think about you like you think about you and that's why Jonah's story matters because you and I can absolutely relate it's not just some old dusty book but it speaks to our hearts and I would ask you just like the prophets of old and in the New Testament said do not harden your hearts today when you hear his voice If you're one who would need some prayer or if you would like to have more conversation about these things, there'll be some folks standing over to to your right, my left, and I'll be standing over here as well. Do not harden your hearts today when you hear his voice. Father, we love you. And I just ask by your mercy and your grace that you'd halt us in our running. Lord, if there are those in this room that are running from you and have chosen to try and find mercy in other places and it's coming up empty, that they would hear your voice saying, if you want mercy, turn to me, not from me. God, we love you. And I thank you that your word makes your mercy for us, those who would turn to you very clear. It's in your name we pray.